Good evening, everyone. What an incredible privilege to come and speak on a night of baptisms. Um, yeah, where people come and make a public confession. I love Jesus. I'm following him and I'm serving him all the days of my life. Sure, I still remember the day that I was baptized, probably more than the day that I gave my life to the Lord. I haven't grown up in a Christian, semi-Christian household. <laughs> um, there are many times where I knew God, and I was like, Jesus, I love you and I want to follow you. But there was one time where I was in front of a whole congregation of people, also in some swimming pool in the church, and I said, I want to follow Jesus all the days of my life. I remember it quite clearly because it was quite a transitioning time in my life. The week before, we had just announced that we were moving to this place called Cape Town, which was a terrifying prospect. And uh, I only knew one person. His name was Dave Leach, and he beat me at pool, so I didn't like him that much. <laughs> and, um, yeah, at that, at that time, my understanding of the gospel was probably, you know, you say a prayer, and then someday you're going to heaven. But God has been so kind, and each year of commitment since then, I've begun to learn the full gospel, uh, to understand the richness of what it means to be a co-heir in the kingdom and be, to be made in the image of God. And tonight, I want to take us back to the biggest baptism ceremony in the Bible. Um, it's in Acts chapter 2, if you want to go there. Although, imagine you're a Jew traveling to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover festival, the celebration of the harvest. You're traveling through with your friends and family, most likely speaking about the book of Ruth and how God yeah, did incredible things and provided for them. When you suddenly come across this massive commotion on the way to the temple, there are a hundred or so people praising the Lord in Afrikaans, Isikosa, even French, and there's like fire and glory, and you have no idea what's going on. How on earth do these people know these languages? They're in the middle of Israel and Judea. But they're declaring the wonders of God. You can't begin to understand what's going on. Today of all days, Pentecost, what could this possibly mean? So some people begin saying that they must be drunk. But that just doesn't seem to sit right with you. Then suddenly a man steps up who had just been speaking in some language and, and he begins to speak. He calms us down by saying, of course these people aren't drunk. It's nine o'clock in the morning. But rather, this is the filling of the Spirit that was prophesied by the prophet Joel. He speaks of the life of Jesus and how we put him to death. He reads a psalm of David and interprets the psalm of David as being a prophecy of how Jesus would raise again. Your heart begins to Beat as this preacher unpacks the scriptures and shows you how Jesus is the Messiah. And your heart explodes as you realize this was the man your people have been waiting for for centuries. You realize this has to be true. How could we have treated Jesus the way we did? You know something has to change. So you cry out to Peter and the others, what should we do? Peter looks you in the eye and tells you, turn away from evil. Repent. Be baptized in the name of Jesus, who will forgive your sins, and you will receive the Holy Spirit, the same one that that has caused this incredible scene you've just witnessed. But then he pleads with us, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. 
at this point, you know what you have to do. So you go down with this massive crowd and are baptized by the apostles and other believers. You look around at the 3,000 other people who have also decided to be baptized. And you realize life as you know it is about to change. And the reality was that life as they knew it did change for those early church believers. And this was how the church started. It was just some people going around and they encountered the Spirit. They encountered an incredible teaching from Peter and the apostles and they were baptized. So why baptism? Well, we baptized because Jesus was baptized and he instructed his followers to be baptized. An incredible story. You can go read it. Um, in Matthew 3, verse 13 to 17. And Jesus is coming down from Galilee, and he comes across John the Baptist. It's kind of like in the name. Um, and, and John's like, I can't baptize you. I'm not worthy to. And Jesus says, this is what has to happen. And when he's baptized, as he comes up out of the water, a spirit descend, the Spirit of God descends on him like a dove, and a voice comes from heaven saying, you are my son, whom I love, and I'm well pleased. Later on, after he's died and risen again, he's standing with a bunch of his closest followers, and he tells them, go into, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Baptism was this incredible step, is this incredible step of obedience to God, going, I see your example, and I see your command, and I want to be obedient to that. Obedience is the love language of God. He loves it when we come and we go, God, your will, not, not mine. I want to serve you. I want to follow you. I want to surrender to you. And so baptism has always been a part of the Christian faith and the life of the church. We saw it in the story of the early church people where a whole bunch, 3,000 people, came to know Jesus and they were baptized straight away. And the book of Acts is littered with so many stories of baptism. People coming to know the Lord and they're going, Yo, surely we should be baptized. But what's the purpose? Well, it's not like there's something magical or some crazy thing that goes on that suddenly changes us when we're baptized. It's actually a symbol it's, it's significance and it's meaning. It's representing a truth that's already happened on the inside. And there's a few of these truths. The first is one of washing and forgiveness. We realize that when we come to Jesus, that he makes us pure, he cleans us. And we see this in Peter 3 verse 21. The second is of our old life that we're living um, before we knew Christ, that dying in a new life with Jesus rising. Romans 6, verse 1 to 7, um, and we'll read that in a second, speaks of this. And then we enter into the community, the body of Christ. This is not something that just happens passively, but this is an active role that we have as we become deciding, yo, I just want to go fully committing into Jesus. And so we each have a role that we find that we play within God's kingdom, within his body. And uh, yeah, it's a special role that Jesus has uniquely set us for. And then there's also the symbolism of being immersed into the life of the Spirit. It's a picture of our identification with Jesus in his life, death, burial, resurrection, and then our personal commitment to Jesus as our Savior. 
an example. Romans 6 verse 1 to 7 says, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or do you know, or don't you know, that all of us were baptized into Christ, were baptized into his death? We therefore were buried with him through through baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of God the Father, we too may have a new life. If we have been united with him like this in his death, we certainly also will be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we no longer slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. And lastly, it's also a public testimony, so everyone can see. Now this was a radical thing in the early church. When they were baptized, they were making a public declaration that no, Caesar is not Lord, but Jesus is Lord. And that would mean being imprisoned, tortured, and even killed. How do I know if I should be baptized? Baptism is for those who have trusted in the Lord Jesus as their Savior. And it says in Romans 10, verse 9 to 10, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. And so, yeah, it's just an outworking of this. As soon as we realize, flip, Jesus is my Savior. He's the one who is my example, the one who I want to follow. This is part of that sign, that act of obedience, going, I want that. I want to follow Jesus. I want to surrender to Jesus. And I want to follow his, his example. And so, therefore, over here at PBC, we like to practice what we call credo baptism, believer's baptism, because um, we believe that baptism in the Bible was always followed by a declaration of faith. And it speaks of our initiation into faith and not that we finally got it all right. And I'm so glad of that because, yeah, over 10 years ago when I was baptized, um, I definitely didn't have it all together and I don't have it now. Um, but it definitely is a step of obedience and a surrender to him. And so we immerse or put under, that's what the, the Greek word baptizo means. Um, and uh, yeah, we want to follow in obedience to what God has called us to do. Um, It's not just about getting wet, um, having a nice swim on a Sunday evening, um, but there's so much symbolism that the word immerse holds. And we do it as a public act because we want it to shout to the world, I believe in Jesus and I follow him. And so while it's not essential for our salvation because we are saved by faith and not by works that we're doing, it's an essential act of obedience. It's part of our spiritual growth, following Christ, is about obedience. Baptism is meant to be one of the first small steps of obedience that we make as we follow Jesus. And so while I recognize this isn't a magical process that's going to fix our lives, um, that suddenly when we dip you into the water, you're going to come out like an incredible new person, I know it's a spiritual thing. I remember my baptism in November 2009, and yeah, coming into the water... And just shaking. I know it was nerves and excitement and probably a little bit of cold. But there was such a sense of the Holy Spirit being there with me. So for those of you being baptized tonight, I bless you with that experience of the Holy Spirit. 
So tonight, as you go and prepare for your baptisms, I bless you with an encounter with the Holy Spirit to be filled to overflowing. May your hearts be filled with him. May he lead you. May he guide you uh, in all the ways.